It's been misunderstood throughout the ages, but now researchers are beginning to get a glimpse of its intricate mechanisms. This little three pound chunk of tissue can produce the, the person who I am, my consciousness, my thoughts and feelings and my behaviors. It's what drives me to try to understand um, this organ uh, up here. Okay, we're ready to scan now. Today, Stanford psychologists Robert Dougherty and Arvel Hernandez are going to perform a brain scan on one of their research subjects. The research team is using cutting-edge magnetic resonance imaging, MRI for short, to look at 40 children's brains over a three-year period. The team wants to understand if and how the brains of children who struggled to learn to read are different from the brains of children who learned easily. For the past three years, Adele Cruz has been bringing her son Vaughn from their hometown of Campbell, California, to the Stanford campus once a year. My name is Vaughn. I'm turning 14 in October, and I'm going into eighth grade. The researchers picked children who learned to read with different degrees of ease. Well, when I was learning how to read, I never felt like I had trouble with it, but I never really uh, started reading uh, a lot until I got into second grade. We're going to take images of your brain while you're performing the task. And so we're going to monitor blood flow in your brain as you do that. Um, we're going to have you practice the task before you go into the scanner. Today, the researchers will use the scanner to do a functional MRI or fMRI scan. fMRI lets scientists gather data on the brain as it performs a task. By looking at the blood flow, they can glean information on how the brain functions. fMRI is uh, very useful for studying development in children and um, uh, in particular uh, studying learning disabilities because we can look at not just brain structure, but also brain function and see what's perhaps going wrong in, in some children who struggle to learn to read. You're gonna be seeing a gray rectangle in the middle of the screen. And in the center of that rectangle, you're gonna see a little plus sign. And behind the plus sign, every now and then, you're gonna see different things pop up, like letters, and sometimes they'll be very blurry and sometimes they'll be very clear. But we just want you to stay focused on that plus sign then they're not asked to do anything with the words. The, the words are just popping up in the background. And it turns out that you really can't help but read words, even if you're told not to read them. We're tapping into those parts of the brain that automatically process the words, even when you're not trying to read. And we're looking at how those parts of the brain develop as the children acquire uh, better and better literacy skills. We're going to have to inspect you for metal. So. Um, do you have any metal on you? Any pockets? Uh, no, nothing in my pockets. Okay, you aren't wearing any. A magnetic resonance scanner is basically a giant magnet. Once inside it, Vaughn will need to remain motionless for 45 minutes with a brief break halfway through. It's kind of surreal sometimes when uh, I'm inside a scanner and I just kind of think that, wow, there's people just like looking at my brain right now and just how it works. The magnet exerts power over the nuclei of the hydrogen atoms in the body's fat and water. The nuclei spin on themselves like whirling dervishes. When you put um, something with lots of particles, like a human body, inside of a powerful magnetic field, the spins, uh, some proportion of them get oriented along the direction of the magnetic field. They prefer to be in that position. 
The researchers then blast a radio frequency through a coil inside the scanner. This gets the nuclei dancing again, but only momentarily. As they return to their magnetized position, they release energy. They release back out radio frequency energy of the same frequency as what you put in. And it's that echo, that radio frequency echo that we read with the MRI scanner. You can use that to make images of the brain. In an fMRI, the scanner measures the signal produced as blood flows through the brain. More specifically, it relies on the magnetic properties of hemoglobin, a protein located in the blood's red cells. When one part of the brain becomes more active, it will call out for more blood to come in to feed it. So there's more oxygenated hemoglobin when an area of brain becomes active. MRI is safer than other imaging. Researchers chose to use fMRI for this project as opposed to other techniques such as PET scans, which require injecting a radioactive tracer into the body. It really made sense for us to use uh, fMRI for this study of children. They've actually been in the scanner nine times um, over the past three years, so we wouldn't want to do that with something like x-ray, for example, or uh, any kind of radioactive um, uh, technique because it just wouldn't be safe to do that repeatedly. As the fMRI scan is happening, the researchers are only collecting sequences of still images. It isn't until they process this data with statistical analysis methods that their patience pays off with visuals. The 3D image, for example, shows the areas of the brain that activate when we read. Dougherty and his team are also doing a type of scan that is letting researchers, for the first time ever, look at the brain's white matter. In case you're not acquainted with it, the white matter is the area that appears in colors. It's intertwined with the better known gray matter. The gray matter is where the neurons connect to one another. And you can think of this as, uh, for example, in the telephone system, this is uh, the telephone switch box where all the wires come in and they all make connections and the signals get sent to the right place. Uh, the white matter is, are the wires themselves. It's how you connect one brain region to another brain region that might be a little far away, say the back of the brain to the front of the brain or the left to the, to the right. To understand how this wiring works, the researchers do a type of scan in which they look at water moving through the white matter. This image shows a section of the white matter called the corpus callosum. This is showing the fibers of the corpus callosum, the fibers that connect the two hemispheres of the brain. And the region that showed the relationship with reading was uh, this fiber group here. And I'll just hide the others so we can see it more clearly. OK, you're all done. When his scan is done, Vaughn gets to take a peek into his body. It's always cool seeing it every time. It's really cool seeing pictures on my brain. And he gets $40 for his efforts. With this scan, Vaughn's three-year stint as a research subject has come to an end. You did a, a great job. Research subjects everywhere are allowing psychologists, doctors, even economists to peer into their brains at work to try to understand how our thoughts and feelings actually happen. Vaughn has already done his part to help future readers. We could imagine helping children by figuring out that your brain, you have this particular type of a brain, maybe you need to learn with these techniques and, and, and 
you know, most children will learn with the standard techniques, but we might be able to track children into pathways that would be much better for them.